Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program and happy holidays. This week we're in the Dominican Republic at the Caribbean Hotel Investment Conference and Operations Summit. We're going to learn a ton about what's happening in real estate and hospitality in this part of the world. And we have some amazing guests today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you've been listening to the Real Estate Guys for a while, then you've heard about the legendary Investor Summit. Simply put, it's the highest level event we do, and the content, faculty, and attendees are amazing. If you're serious about taking your real estate investment to the next level, consider joining us. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. Join Peter Schiff, Ken McElroy, Tom Hopkins, and the Real Estate Guys for the 13th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. It all begins March 5th, 2015 in Miami, Florida. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and reserve your spot. The event is more than 80% sold out, so make plans to join us. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 13th Annual Investor Summit. Don't miss the boat. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. This week in the Dominican Republic, we're at the Caribbean Hotel Investment Conference and Operations Summit, the fourth year of this conference, taking a look at the hospitality industry and uh, lots to learn today. We're going to start off the show with the gentleman who started off the conference this morning. Uh, please welcome from SDR Analytics, Mr. Carter Wilson. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, absolutely. You know, you uh, started this morning with kind of a global view of what's happening in hospitality, and it was a rather optimistic picture. Share the highlights with us. Yeah. I mean, things have really turned around. I mean, 2009, what we saw globally was just a lot of devastation in the hotel industry. Just RevPAR levels were seriously down, particularly in North America. And we've really just seen a turnaround since then. Demand is back very strong. And now we're seeing a lot of strong rate gain as well. Um, and we're actually at all-time RevPAR highs right now. So hotel operators are really enjoying kind of a nice time of it right now. Some important metrics in a hotel for those listeners who may not understand. We talk about ADR, average daily rate that a hotel can charge. Obviously, occupancy is important. RevPAR, or the available revenue per room, is really a combination of the rate and the occupancy. So that's an important metric, and you're seeing that climb kind of all over. Yeah, RevPAR is really a way to measure the efficiency of gaining occupancy and rate. And usually, you know, you'll get occupancy levels kind of will reach a certain peak and then they can't go anymore. And then operators will have the pricing power and focusing on rate. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing nationally in the U.S. occupancies bumping up historic highs, like highs that we haven't seen since 1995, threatening to even break those levels. So now is really when we're starting to see that pricing power come through. So overall ref power, we're seeing pretty tremendous gains right now. It was interesting how you compared the different times when the hotel market has been strong. And of course, today, uh, it's a little bit different. We have lower interest rates, certainly. Right. There's also been a change in the travel since the, you know, the big downturn, not only the leisure travel, but also kind of business travel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a few things that are kind of in play right now. One that you mentioned, interest rates are, are down tremendously. There's a confidence in traveling right now. We're seeing a lot of transient or leisure demand up, but business demand has really come back since the lows that we saw in 2009 and 2010. And kind of combined with all of this is there's not a whole lot of hotels being built right now because of some issues in terms of getting financing for new development. 
So you add all that together and you're seeing a lot of demand without a lot of new supply coming in. So everything lifts up. Well, certainly before we're done today, we'll be talking about financing because that is a big part of the equation here. Uh, let's talk specifically about this region. You kind of gave us the high notes on what's happened in the uh, Caribbean. We looked at the, the map with all the, the green dots in the U.S., mostly strong uh, indicators there. What's happening in uh, kind of the, the Latin America, Caribbean, Central America, that whole region? Yeah, well, we're seeing a similar trends where we're seeing, you know, rev par highs, areas getting to new peaks. I mean, in the Caribbean right now, year to date, it's even surpassing growth that we're seeing in the U.S. We're seeing rev par levels over 9% increases over last year. So really strong. You know, Dominican Republic specifically is nearly double the rev par high that they experienced back in 2007, 2008. Um, even Barbados, which is not fully recovered, is nearly there. So things are very, very strong in this market as well. We're seeing and from Paris's talk, we're seeing a lot of visitation increases to this area as well. Yeah, well, that's uh, certainly important. And then what about the shift in, in travel, uh, specifically what's happened in group travel? And then maybe also where we see kind of the puck going? Yeah, group travel has been really interesting. There's been a fundamental shift over the last several years in what's happened with groups. I mean, groups really just fell off the cliff in 2009 and 2008. And, 10. and then coming back, they've been group demand has been very sluggish, and it wasn't until this year that we really saw group demand, and speaking more specifically to the U.S., really come back. It looks different than it did before. We're seeing smaller groups. We're seeing shorter lengths of stay. We're seeing a real lack of government group demand. So overall, group demand is still accounting for a lot less of the hotel U.S. hotel occupancy than it did, say, back in 2007. But this has been the year that that's turned around. In fact, we're actually about to see a new peak in group demand where it's finally reached its all-time peak. We expect that probably within the next several months. Now, when you see year over year after increases in occupancy and ADR and rate and all of that, you can't help but think about how long that, that's going to last. This is a cyclical business. Any insight into that? Right. Yeah, you're right. Everything's a cycle. Everything has an up and a, and a down. We're about 49 months into a positive rep par growth cycle right now. The last cycle was just over 60 months. The cycle before that was about 112 months. So who knows what can bring it to an end. Um, there can be a catastrophic element like September 11th. There can be, you know, the, the, the demise of Lehman Brothers. Or there can just be simply overbuilding of new supply, which happens as well. Of course, nobody knows for sure. When we ask investors, when we poll them, most are saying probably 2017, 2018, um, is when they expect to see declines. But that's only because we know it's going to be a cycle and it's got to come down sometime. Nobody really knows for sure. At the moment, things are looking good. Carter, thanks so much for your uh, input and insight. Appreciate being here. We're in the Dominican Republic today at the Caribbean Hotel Investment Conference, and there's a lot going on here. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Hugh Riley. He is the Chief Executive Officer with the Caribbean Tourism Organization. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for taking time today to talk to us. You guys serve a great role in bringing investment to opportunities. Tell us about what you do, Hugh. Well, the CTO, as most people know us, is the Tourism Development Agency for the Caribbean. So we provide services and information for a variety of our member countries. We represent 30 member countries. And several hundred private sector entities as well in the travel business. So being here at this Caribbean Hotel Industry uh, Investment Conference is an important part of what we do. We're bringing opportunity, we're bringing contacts, we're bringing money, we're bringing tourism into the Caribbean region and specifically to the countries that we represent. 
Now, so far, we've heard good news. It seems optimistic that occupancy is up, that there's more interest in the region. We saw some comparisons of different countries, but overall seems pretty healthy. It is healthy. We still have some goals to hit, though. For instance, the vision that the CTO has for the Caribbean is to position the Caribbean as the most desirable year-round warm weather destination by a specific period. So in order to do that, there needs to be a lot of marketing still done. There needs to be an investment that's still to be done. And of course, as you know, once you bring brands into the region, the brands themselves attract loyalty, they attract attention, and they attract marketing dollars. So a conference like this isn't just about bringing money and plant into the region. It's about bringing people along, and we have to put measures in place to make sure that that happens. You know, it's such an interesting point. If you look at the budgets that some countries have to promote tourism, they pale in comparison to the budgets the very brands have. Absolutely right. This is not one of those industries where if you build it, they will come. You have to build it and build it right, but you have to market it. Then they will come. So you're absolutely right. We need the budget as well as we need the plant and the brand. You know, the canvas of the Caribbean is beautiful, and, and there's so many great examples of developers articulating that. And yet, as you're competing for the travel dollar, what are the real unique aspects you think that uh, the countries, the member countries, are able to get out there and tell to the world? Well, I think the Caribbean as a region has a, a chance to boast about our diversity. We are French and Dutch and Spanish and English and small island and big island and flat island and mountains and river falls and black sand beaches and white sand beaches and some are not islands at all. So there's that variety of culture and history and color and so on. That's all within such easy reach of any major gateway. So in the United States, we're sitting maybe two to four hours away from a major source market. And in fact, not surprisingly, the US is in fact the major source of visitation to the Caribbean. Sure. Uh, so we have that as a boast. The lifestyle within the Caribbean is something that people desire. In fact, in fact, our most successful marketing campaign ever used to be taglined, life needs the Caribbean. That's what we boast of. Awesome. Hey, Hugh, there's a lot of talk today about airlift and the importance of that. As you look at your 30 member countries, how much of that has been a concern for the word getting out on these locations? Always is a concern. Airlift is such an important conduit of business to the Caribbean because there's no way of driving there. So let's, let's take cruising out of the mix for a moment and say that the only other way to get to the Caribbean is by air. Right. Now, we must be careful, though, to make sure that we organize ourselves in such a way that there are hubs within the region that work effectively and that those hubs then feed the secondary and tertiary markets. There is no desire on our part to have an international airport on every single island. That just doesn't make economic sense. But the systems that we have have to work in, in, in accordance with each other so that we bring um, proper airlift into the major hubs and then we have a conduit for making sure that the network uh, of, of secondary and tertiary uh, markets is also intact. Well, it does seem like there are certain markets where people go for a week and, and leave, and some of that's product type based. But certainly there is the tourist who comes through and says, you know, I want to sample a couple of different places or three or four different itineraries, and, and that's got to play into that. Interesting point. That varies by source market. If you're from a part of the, of the world uh, where you get more vacation time, or if you're in an age demographic that has more disposable time and more disposable income, then you will spend more time in the Caribbean. And 
and then you will do the island hopping, uh, the island collecting yep. that, that most people like to do. If though you have just a few days to spare, uh, you probably will do the fly and flop and, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But even so, we've discovered that people on successive visits will visit another island within the Caribbean. So they are still island collectors, but they don't do it on one visit. They'll come uh, in successive visits and visit some French and some Dutch and some Spanish and English and so on. And that's how they get their variety. Well, this is such a good point because in in some ways, you look at these different countries as competing for the travel dollar, but what you folks are doing at the CTO is instead kind of banding everyone together and saying, hey, first we have to sell the Caribbean. Absolutely. One sea, one voice, one Caribbean is what we say. Now, there is always going to be sibling rivalry. There's no question about that. It's healthy, and it's in fact, in some cases, absolutely encouraged. But our first opportunity is to get people to come to the Caribbean. Once we get them there and we play our cards right, we know they'll be back and we know that they'll sample the variety that we have to offer within the region. All right, good stuff. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More from the Dominican Republic when we return. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Too many people become victims of frivolous lawsuits and scammers simply because they were unprepared. At Corporate Direct, we use the latest legal tools to help our clients of all sizes create a strategy to protect what is theirs. Asset protection is not only for the wealthy. Our strategies and tools are very affordable and practical. Give us a call at 1-800-600-1760 or go to CorporateDirect.com to see how we can help you. That's 1-800-600-1760 for CorporateDirect.com. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way to ensure that 2015 is your best year yet? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2015 Goals Retreat, January 9th to 11th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend event has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click on events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track, physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2015 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, today. Hi, this is Lawrence Yuan, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station, all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We are in the Caribbean, in fact, in the Dominican Republic, talking about what's happening in uh, the Caribbean hotel sector. And uh, joining me, uh, very happy to have with us Mr. Paulo Pena. And uh, you are with the largest hotel company in the world, Wyndham Hotels. That's right. Wyndham Hotel Group is the largest hotel uh, company in the world by measure, as measured by number of hotels. We have over 7,500 hotels uh, in 71 countries across 13 brands. 
Um, and so, so yes, we like to, to refer to ourselves as the largest hotel group in the world. You know, and I think some people are surprised by that, right? They don't think of Wyndham as the big group. But of course, you guys control a whole bunch of different brands, more than a dozen brands. We do. We have, uh, we have 13 brands across the full spectrum of uh, hospitality um, uh, space. So um, at the very uh, top end in the luxury uh, category, we have our Wyndham Grand, um, our Wyndham Hotels and Resorts in our upper upscale segment. Um, and then as you move down the spectrum, we have um, some great uh, mid-scale brands in brands like uh, Ramada and Trip. Um, and in our economy and budget um, sector, we have brands that uh, people are very familiar with and may not know are, are part of our group, but um, brands like Howard Johnson, Super 8, Days In, um, which are you know, very well-known brands, uh, particularly in North America um, and increasingly um, around the world. I'm responsible for Latin America and the Caribbean at, at Wyndham Hotel Group, um, and those brands um, are brands that are growing very well in those markets. Yeah, it's interesting. People think of those areas in terms of resort travel, but that's not all there is. There's business travel. There's lots of different segments, and you guys are on all of them. There is. And so um, in, in my region, which is, you know, as I said, Latin America and the Caribbean, we currently have 135 hotels. Eight of those brands um, are represented in, across 15 countries and territories um, in my markets. And, uh, and, and yes, we, we currently play across um, the spectrum. So, of course, we have uh, Wyndham um, hotels and resorts in uh, sort of urban locations and, and also in resorts. Um, but we also have some great uh, product around the region uh, in, in the mid-scale and in the economy brand. If we're talking about Latin America, um, a portfolio of Howard Johnson's down in Argentina. Um, if we're talking about the, you know, the Caribbean, we have some nice Howard Johnson's in uh, Puerto Rico, um, Wyndham Garden in Puerto Rico. And of course, we have um, one of our sort of company flagship hotels in Puerto Rico, um, the Wyndham Grand Rio Mar um, Resort, which is, uh, which is a, a great hotel in Puerto Rico on the beach. Now, we heard today a very optimistic numbers in terms of where occupancy and RevPAR and ADR are, are headed. You guys see that across a multitude of price structures. Where does Wyndham see the opportunity going forward? In terms of markets, uh, you know, the, the Caribbean is, is doing well, and we, we've been listening to, uh, to presenters here at the conference talk about the continuing um, growth in, in ADR and uh, occupancy in the Caribbean, and we're certainly seeing that uh, across our Caribbean portfolio, and, and, and we believe that will continue in, in, the, ne in the near term. Um, in terms of new hotels in the Caribbean, you know, we're seeing opportunities across several markets, um, and it's no surprise um, that markets, the, the, the larger island markets like the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, continue to see opportunity uh, for development. They're both seeing nice increases in arrivals um, from uh, key destinations. Uh, the Dominican Republic has certainly benefited from um, increased arrivals from, uh, from the U.S. And, and, and North America, but also from Europe. Those islands um, continue to see opportunity, but you know when you look further in islands like the, um, the Cayman, um, in Jamaica, in Barbados, we're also seeing um, some interesting opportunities um, that we're looking at uh, you know, for potential uh, development. More broadly, across Latin America, we, uh, we also um, are seeing significant growth. And across the region, we have a pipeline of 120 hotels um, in our executed uh, pipeline. So, um, we continue to see sort of fairly robust growth across the Latin American and Caribbean region um, across all segments. In Latin America specifically, we are focused in on Brazil, Mexico, 
Peru and Colombia as uh, our primary growth markets. Now, when you look to those opportunities, is it primarily ground-up development or taking over an existing product that may have been distressed or just bringing the brand into a previously unbranded product? We offer a fairly wide um, range of options uh, for uh, potential developers or existing hoteliers. Um, so, as I said, our, our brands cover the spectrum of, um, of the hospitality space. We like to work with developers and closely with owners to make sure that we, we find the right brand um, for the specific project. Um, and so we're seeing opportunity in new construction and, and we recently um, in Latin America, for example, announced two uh, new construction Wyndham hotels, one at the Quito airport in uh, Ecuador, a beautiful new resort in, in Costa Rica, a Wyndham resort. But our brands also lend themselves to uh, potential conversion of existing independent hotels. Um, and that's certainly a trend that we see in Latin America, and we're also seeing um, those opportunities in the Caribbean. Our brands, um, you know, we work closely uh, with an existing hotel that sees the, the value and the benefit of coming into a brand portfolio and all that it offers, such as sort of a global distribution network, the resources of, of a global company um, in terms of technology and, and a global loyalty program. And so what we'll do is... Um, uh, work closely with uh, with an existing owner or existing hotelier to look at how we could convert that hotel uh, to one of our brands in a way that meets our brand standards and brings that hotel into that distribution and sort of global network. Well, two very different equations, figuring out highest and best use of a bare piece of land and how do we make this a great property versus inheriting somebody else's previous build, right? It's got to fit into your model. You've got to be able to deliver the experience. At the same time, it has to has to fit the brand. So when someone comes expecting a certain level of service, whether that's high or low, they get a consistent experience as part of being a brand. Right. You know, as we bring hotels into the system, um, you know, we'll put together a property improvement plan that brings the, the brand up to the stand or the hotel up to the standards that, that a consumer will expect when they stay at, at one of our brands. And then on an ongoing basis, um, you know, we provide operational support for our franchisees in order to maintain um, those brand standards. Let's talk a little bit about the way investors approach a market. They're obviously looking for where they see an uptick in occupancy and some of the things we've heard about today. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of differences in the way people are traveling today. How do you guys look at travel trends and how that equates to opportunity. We certainly look at, at where the sources of demand are for a potential development or, or a hotel that we're looking um, to potentially convert. Um, so it is important for us to perform a feasibility study of the long-term viability of the hotel um, and it's important for us that the hotel is successful. And we will work with a potential um, owner or potential developer and work with existing partners that we have that perform feasibility studies on a new construction and also uh, potentially on on a conversion. In Latin America, we um, commissioned a study with JLL two years ago, and JLL put out the report in conjunction, um, in partnership with us last year. And what we did there with them is that we looked at the Latin American market, sort of as, at a macro level, and then focused in on, on four markets that we felt, we hypothesized would represent the potential largest opportunity for growth. And those markets were, as I said, Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, and Peru. Um, and what that study did, it performed research at a macro level and looked at the economic status and trends of those four markets and how they compared to a point in time with developed hotel markets like the US and the UK and Australia and markets like that and where they stood 
um, from a, a penetration of hotels per population. And so it looked at things like how advanced is the services sector or what proportion of the services sector is as of total GDP. And what, what that study showed is that at a macro level, those markets were at a point um, that historically the developed markets were when they, when they sort of entered a, a period of sustained growth. And then the study then sort of went at a micro level in those four countries and looked at market by market what the potential um, micro sources of demand would be. So things like infrastructure projects, manufacturing plants, you know, auto plants in places like Mexico, energy and gas uh, projects and, and, and things of, of, of the sort. And it, and it looked at all of that to determine what the potential sources of demand might be in markets across the country and a lot of the secondary and tertiary markets. And then it looked at what current supply is already in those markets and what supply is, is in the pipeline for those markets. And what it showed at a micro level is that there are a number, a significant number of, of secondary and tertiary markets in particular in those four countries that have an inadequate uh, number of rooms for the sources of demand that we're seeing. And then as a sort of a final validation of the opportunity in those markets, we compared the micro results to the macro results. They actually showed a fairly consistent answer, which was that in those countries, there is a potential growth of new room supply of over 400,000 rooms between the time, at the time that the study was conducted, 2012, to 2022. And so we're using that study as a sort of go-to-market, as sort of what markets uh, we look we, we look at when we're when we're looking at potential development, and a lot of those markets, you know, as I said, secondary and tertiary markets, are markets that our mid-scale and economy brands work well in. Um, so we're, when we're talking about Brazil and in Mexico, secondary tertiary markets, brands like Super 8, Days In, Howard Johnson are the brands that will work well in, uh, in some of those secondary markets. All right, good stuff. Hey, one more question for you, Paulo. Especially because of the seat you sit in, representing in your group a whole bunch of different brands, um, help us understand from a developer's perspective, an owner of a, of a property, it could be existing property, it could be an opportunity to develop, they're trying to make a decision. And that decision can revolve around, is there a reason to be independent in this market? What's the value of a brand? A lot of talk at the conference about how important it is to pick the right brand. Talk about maybe the cost structure involved. If I'm looking at various brands, how typically does that work? Most of the hotels that you operate, you don't own. You operate for other folks. So what's the, I guess, the cost-benefit analysis of going with a brand? Yeah, so we, we are primarily a franchise company. So of the 7,500 hotels that are currently in our system, the vast majority a franchise hotel. So there is another party that operates and potentially a third party that, that owns the real estate. We manage about 60 hotels uh, globally and we own two hotels, the Wyndham Grand Bonner Creek and the Wyndham Grand in Rio Mar, uh, Puerto Rico. So the value proposition for an independent owner of a hotel, of a brand, is really the, um, it's really three things. It's um, the global distribution system that a global company like ours brings to the equation. So that includes our websites, it includes um, you know, agreements we have with other distribution, uh, travel distribution companies, and it also includes a, a global sales organization that's out there selling to corporate accounts, groups, um, and tour operators. And it brings that individual hotel into that, that global system. Yep. Um, the second thing it does is that it puts on a physical building a brand that is known and recognized 
in other parts of the world. It's in, in, in points of origin of many of the, the markets you know, that we're, we're talking about in Latin America and, and particularly in, um, in the Caribbean. So when someone is traveling or looking for, for a vacation destination in, in the Caribbean um, and you're a US consumer and you, you, you're staying at our branded product um, on a regular basis as part of business or on short-term travel, you have a certain level of comfort um, that you know uh, what to expect from a from a product um, and service standpoint, and then the third element is our loyalty program. Um, so we have a global loyalty program with 38 million members, um, and so as an independent hotel, when you come into our system, you get access to that consumer base. Um, that is a base that we know travel, and we know that when when they travel, they usually stay for longer, they stay more often, and they pay a higher rate. Um, so if you're an independent owner of a hotel, um, you know, those three things represent the value proposition. All right. Good stuff. Well, we sure appreciate your time today. And we're learning a ton at this conference. Thanks so much, Paula. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program in the Dominican Republic this week, talking about what's happening in the hotel sector. Investment is on the rise. Lots is going on. Our next guest uh, certainly knows about this because He's with Hilton Worldwide. Please welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program, Mr. Juan Carvinas. How are you, sir? Very happy to be here. Yes, indeed. So Hilton, big brand, lots of stuff's going on. What's happening? What do you guys see in the region right now? A lot of opportunity. Uh, we have uh, Hilton Worldwide, 4,100 plus hotels worldwide, uh, 95 years of history. And we have a very big history in the Caribbean, but there are lots of opportunities coming up. Today, I'm in a panel here uh, talking about creative finance, how to jumpstart development in the region. Now that the interest in the U.S. is cycle is up, now we're seeing opportunity in the Caribbean. Um, investors are focused on the Caribbean as well, so there's a lot of opportunity here. And, of course, you have a personal history in working in hospitality in a variety of areas, so it's not just Caribbean-centric. You've seen other parts of the world and how that's worked out. Seen, I've uh, been to Asia, been to Europe, been to Africa, been to the U.S., and now Latin America, Caribbean, and uh, it's a good time for hotels in this region. I think I think we are one of the leading um, hospitality companies, and there is a lot of work that needs to be done in the Caribbean. We're clearly in a beautiful hotel today. The customers are getting here. There's airlift. How do we serve our customers? How can we get closer to our customers? We're going to be uh, hopefully announcing some very good, interesting deals in the next couple of weeks in the Caribbean for us. So, it, you know, it's it's a good time. It's a good, really good time. Well, and there's a big question here because as you look throughout the Caribbean, there's a lot of markets that are maybe you classify as a boutique market, small operators and independent hotels. And then there's the mega resorts. And as a brand, what is it that you're looking for in a market that says, yeah, this market makes sense for Hilton? It's great that you asked because in June we launched Curio, a collection by Hilton. Curio um, takes those um, exclusive hotels, those hotels that have a name of their own and that you need engines behind to fill the rooms, put those heads in beds. Um, Curio is one of the perfect brands for the Caribbean looking for an affiliation. We're seeing a lot of success with it um, in the U.S. and internationally with the brand. It's taking off. There's a lot of opportunities there. That is good to hear. You know, I think maybe for the listeners, we ought to talk about how 
the hotel business works, right? I mean, people think I see Hilton's name on the building, I must own it. But really, there's the owners, there's developers, there's management, there's brand alliance. Uh, and you guys operate in a lot of those spaces. Yeah, we're a management and franchising company. We also own real estate. We're one of the companies that owns real estate. You might have seen recently um, transactions that have happened in the U.S. lately. You know, we partner with local investors to develop these hotels. It is critical to actually get local investors involved in the community because if a big corporation comes in and sweeps, oh my god, they are coming and they're taking, no. It's a local investor, local employees. We try to localize the product for each destination. We try to be as light as possible on impact to the to the environment. We try to we try to come in and say this is the heritage, this is what we're adding. We, we have a heritage behind, we want to keep that up, this is what we're bringing to the table. And then we have our developers, we have our, our owners, and we manage our franchise with them. Uh, we partner with them, and that's what we do. For those hotels that you see, that you see the Hilton logo on the door, that's what we do. That's our core business. Today, talking about the risk-adjusted parameters of investing, one of the things that's come up is the certainty or surety or comfort that a brand gives. Can you speak to that? Yes, there is. The industry, specifically in the Caribbean, you depend on drop raters, people that sell wholesalers. Um, a brand brings you, for the customer, it brings you assurance of a stable product. It brings you, you know, standards. It standardizes product, but also gives it a unique feel in each destination. Now, when you're competing against big mass wholesalers, when you're going to pick a hotel, you usually will go and do your research. Everybody does research now. So you're going to you're going to be like, where am I going to be comfortable? Where, gonna, where am I going to find if I need the reassurance that I'm at home? The brand and the affiliation brings you that. It brings you the comforts from home. And when you're on vacation, when you're traveling on business, gives you safety, gives you security, gives you gives you all those things that you value as a traveler, and that everybody values as a traveler. So that brand brings you standardization, and it gives you the assurance that you're going to be treated like the individual that you are. So now, for a developer or investor considering a brand, certainly those things make a lot of sense. But also the loyalty programs, right? I mean, Hilton Honors is a huge program. How is it that that part of the business integrates into what you guys do? Our Hilton Honors members, they're a big part of our business. They're our, they're our loyal customers. They're the customers that are with us during a rainy or a snowy day, right? Those are the people that that spend the most of their travel, their share of wallet with us. We have 40 million members worldwide, and we're all constantly trying to up that, that number, of course. Those people believe in us. They trust us. They expect a lot from us. And those are the people that deserve a vacation. Those are the people that travel and travel and travel, and they need a vacation. So the Hilton Honors Program brings them you know, that reward at the end of a very, very busy year like everybody has. It, it gives you the option to redeem the only program that allows you to redeem with no blackout dates and allows you to get air miles and points at the same time if you choose. So that is a big advantage to all of our customers, right? Our customers know it. Our customers value it. 
and they have that reward at the end of the trail, right? It's not easy to go through a year, right? Everybody needs a vacation. One of my favorite quotes from St. Augustine is, the world is like a book, and those who do not travel read but a page, right? It is such a big world. I know you're a, a traveler, as most of the people probably at this conference. Give us, I know you got some announcements coming up, but what can you share with us in terms of, you know, the opportunities that Hilton sees in this region specifically, kind of in the coming years? You know, as credit moves towards the Caribbean or funds get more comfortable with the particular situation of the Caribbean and with its inherent risks uh, because, you know, nature, it's nature and you can't control it, you can't foresee those things, uh, but, you know, expenditure and, and vacation is up. So um, rates are up. This hotel is full. It's, a, it's, it's packed, right? It's big it, and it's full. It's big and it's full. So people are taking those vacations. Now, what opportunities do we see? We see opportunities for, our, for all of our brands. Some of our brands might be um, better suited for, for, for this type of destination, but surely conferences. Conferences, um, leisure travel, our brands are deployed in the markets that are needed and where they are going to achieve the maximum exposure to the customer and the owner. Of course, you know, we, we will put the right product in the right place. So if you need a resort, you'll have a resort. If you need a business hotel, you'll have, if there's a rationale for a business hotel, there will be a business hotel. That's what where all brands go, right? You, you need to have a rationale for deployment. So in the Caribbean in the following years, I think we're going to see a lot of branded supply, maybe independent moving to branded or new build, if hopefully you're going to see a lot of that. It's going to be a very interesting next three years. We're very positive about the outlook. Awesome. Well, good to hear that. We'll look forward to uh, finding out what happens in the future. Juan, thanks so much for your time today. Great stuff. Thank you, guys. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hi, this is Gene Epstein, economics editor from Barron's, and you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. 
And welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every weekend on this great radio station, all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We are in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, in fact, at the beautiful Hard Rock Hotel in Putacana. Let's welcome the Executive Vice President of Acquisition for Hard Rock, Mr. Marco Roca. How are you, sir? Good morning, Robert. How are you? I'm fabulous. Uh, first of all, just a great job of uh, hosting this conference. What a beautiful property. Thank you. We've uh, really enjoyed having everyone, and uh, it's a great honor to host it for the second year in a row. My goodness, as a hospitality vendor at a Caribbean hotel event, uh, you know, you're kind of putting on the line to uh, to host the event, but I think everyone is just raving. Well, you know, it's an all-inclusive, and... Uh 1,800 rooms is something of a challenge, but uh, I think they pull it off very nicely here. Well, let's talk about that. I think I spent my first night at the Hard Rock Las Vegas. About the third night, the property was open. I've been a big fan of the brand ever since. This was your first all-inclusive property, one of many now. Uh, Tell us how that has worked for the Hard Rock. Well, it's worked extremely well. We're very happy with the results. Uh, Guest comments are tremendous. I was looking at uh, guest satisfaction on just on the food and beverage side yesterday at a over 90% uh, guest satisfaction, which is a pretty difficult number to achieve, especially in an all-inclusive offering. So um, uh, we're very pleased. The owners, I believe, are pleased as well as they've signed two new deals with us this year to develop two new properties. Uh, So I think uh, everybody's happy all around. All right, well, we'll call that a clue. So Hard Rock as a brand is iconic, right? And one of the big challenges I think that people from outside the industry saw was it's kind of an aging demographic, and yet you guys have done a masterful job of making it relevant for today's client. Can you speak to that? That, That's a great question. Uh, You know, we feel like we're 8 to 80, so bald to bald. With that in mind, I mean, what's kept us relevant is truly the music. We're so closely in tune to music and it, it is so much a part of our DNA that as music changes we evolve with it and that's what keeps us relevant. Now as you expand right you're in many many countries today um, talk a little bit about kind of the plans for growth for the brand. Sure uh, we're on a very aggressive growth mode we've uh, executed six deals this year which is the most we've ever done in a year and that's all happened in the last six months since I began so it's a, a great growth spurt for us. My very private and personal goal is 100 by 2020, you know, you've got to put out big goals out there, whether you get there or not is is irrelevant. It's just, you know, it's a personal mission that I'm on. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever get there, but, or at least not by 2020, but certainly we have to shoot for the stars. Well, I don't think people are betting against you, that's for sure. So you've had a varied uh, career in hotel. This is, you're fairly new to hard rock, but you've been in the hotel industry a long time. What trends are you seeing that are relevant to what's happening as you grow the brand? Another great question. Thank you, Robert. I think that you're going to see a lot more all-inclusives all over the world. Uh, We think that all-inclusive has a place in Asia. Uh, It's a natural fit for places that, that don't have a very sophisticated culinary offering outside of the property. So when you go to a place on an island, for instance, and there's no other culinary offerings or, or just beach shacks, you need to be able to provide you know, food and beverage culinary experiences for all palates. And so Asia is a natural tee-up. One day, I think the all-inclusive concept will hit the United States, and it'll be extraordinary because once things hit the States, they tend to blow up. And so I, I could see an all-inclusive offering in a place like Sandestin, where if we put an all-inclusive offering, it would just be extraordinary. Well, this is such an interesting point. Yesterday, there was a gentleman in your panel, which was on all-inclusive properties, who said, like, where's the next hot market? Because there's certain markets where it seems that's kind of the way that the market has gone into all-inclusive, and for the reasons you've talked about. And uh, people are saying, well, Brazil is the next marketplace, or we think uh, Puerto Rico, or, you know, when Cuba opens up. 
And you said the United States, which is interesting. What does it take for that whole all-inclusive thing to be relevant in the U.S.? It takes the same thing as it takes anywhere else in the world. It takes somebody, a developer with a bravado, the, the folks like the Chapors have gone out, and you, know, you, you need to trust your instincts. If you can ask yourself a very honest question and, and think about yourself at all of your different stages in life, when you were dating, when you were just married, when you were, had a young family, when you had a teen family, when you retired. Uh, if you can see yourself in an offering like this, then go with your instinct, because it works. And you know, as I look at this property and I think about myself through all those stages in my life, I could see that I would be very happy at this property during any of those phases. I can see myself here in a few years once I retire and being very happy, and of course, all the prior stages as well. So if you can ask yourself that and you feel comfortable with would I be here? Would I love this? Then go for it. Well, clearly the guests here do. And it is a wide range of people. There's families here. You have family offerings at this hotel. There's newlyweds here. There's couples of every age. You know, obviously a big business in the hotel, 65,000 square feet of conference space. So you're not just after a single market. It's, it's certainly wider than that. Uh, yes. Again, you know, we're 8 to 80, really for all ages. We have music on our side, you know, and we all love music. We all have a story. I think you know, every conversation I've had uh, with any developer has always started with, what is your hard rock story? And everyone seems to have one. And what is your first concert? What was your last concert? Who's your favorite band? What is your hard rock story? Uh, we all have one. We all love music. Uh, keeps it, it bonds us. And so that is what keeps us relevant, and that's what uh, will keep us growing. Absolutely. I saw Brian Ferry at the Hard Rock and bought tickets, and for some reason my tickets never arrived. I called in, and they said, well, we'll take care of that for you. Ended up in the front row, center stage, one of my many Hard Rock stories. I think music is such a big part of the brand. And moreover, I can't think of a brand that people wear on their shirts more than the Hard Rock. You really have taken this to a new level. It's funny that you say that. Uh, we have the number one most collected item in the world. We, we sell over 7 million T-shirts. So as you walk through any airport, and you know I travel half a million miles a year and go every corner of the world, and every time I go through an airport, I'm now keenly aware of Hard Rock Naturally, and my eyes draw me to those T-shirts. And I don't think I've had an airport experience where I haven't seen a Hard Rock T-shirt yeah. worn by somebody other than me. <laughs> right, it's so true. Well, now, all-inclusive isn't all of what you're doing. Obviously, you have a lot of hotels that don't fit that model. What other trends are, are you guys answering in the, in the travel industry? Uh, for us, it's more than trends. You know, we want to be in places that are musically relevant. We want to be in Nashville. We want to be in Memphis. We want to be in Austin. We want to be in places that are you know, musically relevant. Uh, we recently signed a deal in Dallas uh, where we're going to have an indoor ski slope, so similar to Mall of Dubai. 15 minutes away from the airport in Dallas. I saw the press release. Grand Prairie is going to have a, a, a skiing resort. And of course, in the summer there, it's 100 degrees. So uh, I thought, wow, what an interesting project. I wouldn't have guessed that for the hard rock, but it's it's perfect. No, it really will be. It'll be extraordinary to be 100 degrees outside, walk into the lobby and see people skiing down a slope toward you, a 310-foot slope. Uh, we're going to have all ski levels. It's just going to be fun and, and infuse music into this already fun new concept. And, and I just think it's going to be extraordinary. I, I think we'll see a lot more of those. Uh, we want to be iconic. We don't want to be your cookie cutter, boring square hotel. We want to we want to be relevant. We want to create memories. 
because that's in the end all you get to take with you, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things as you look at the way that hospitality is changing, right? People are coming for vacation, but it's not just that. There's business travel. There's all the things that, that people travel for. And if you look around at the markets that you guys have selected, they're mostly resort markets. Are, are you looking to add a lot of marketplaces to the Hard Rock brand or multiple properties in the same marketplaces? No, we have a target list. So area by area in uh, the world. So call it four different areas. We do EMEA, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, Asia, uh, United States and Canada, and then Latin America and the Caribbean. Within each of those, we have uh, identified 25 target markets. So will we be opportunistic? If it makes sense, we will. But we have very clearly identified 100 markets we want to be in. So it, it's a very targeted approach. Now, Marco, yesterday you made an interesting comment. You said really the, the Hard Rock is an IP company. And maybe you can share with us a little bit about how the model works. It's not uh, an owner-operated property. You go in. How, how does it work? It's, it's grown from Peter Morton's vision into this big thing. Can you share that with us? Sure. Internally, we are divided into a casino group and uh, a hotel group. I run development for the hotel group. And in the hotel group, of course, we are an IP company, an intellectual property company. So we focus more on growing the brand through franchises and management contracts. So a management contract, of course, would convey the brand. You would have the brand visual throughout. It would be a hard rock hotel that we would manage. And, of course, a franchise is a third-party management or the owner-operated model. And I think you mentioned that all of your all-inclusive resorts are the same owner. Is that right? Uh, so far. Uh, we, we hope to see that grow and to have other all-inclusive folks uh, participate. But, you know, the Chapors were on the forefront of, of this model. They do a tremendous job. They are, are innovators, and so within this region, we would probably stay with them. But you know, I, I see truly an Asia play one day, and and somebody else stepping up to the plate and doing more all inclusives throughout the world, and and we would step out of the partnership to do that. All right. Well, this has been uh, absolutely illuminating, and uh, keep rocking, my friend. Thanks so much for your Robert, time today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. It. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program this week in the Dominican Republic, and we're talking about the uh, Caribbean hotel industry, what's happening here, investment opportunities with us. Mr. Bill Sippel, who is from HVS Capital. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you today? Very good. Now, one of the big conversations everybody has is it seems like tourism is up, RevPAR's up, ADR's up. But financing is still a bit scarce. You were on a panel this morning with a lot of gentlemen who uh, actually gave us cause to think there may be opportunity. Well, I think there is opportunity. And I think that one of the uh, points that was made earlier today was that the Caribbean tends to be the slowest uh, to gain momentum from a capital perspective and probably the quickest to lose the capital when things turn down in the market. So we've had some, uh, I think, some very good years in terms of REBPAR growth. And we're starting to see some more interest in the Caribbean from a capital perspective. And I think that it's a little different this time around. I think the sources of capital will be different. Uh, one of the main things we tried to bring out in the panel this morning was the fact that some of the traditional debt sources are have been a little slow to get back into the market. Right. Uh, but that void is being filled by alternative sources of capital, uh, ones that can be more creative and can enter the capital stack in a multiple levels. So you may have a particular capital source that comes in as both senior debt and some type of subordinate debt, or they might come in as senior debt and some type of preferred equity or even common equity. And so the, that flexibility allows people to come in and actually deploy capital within the market across different bands of risk within the investment and get uh, appropriate returns for those different risks. 
Well, and that's critical. You know, I think it was brought up on the panel today that if you just take traditional first debt, which might be at 50 to 60% LTV or something like that in a market like this, and then have to bridge the rest with equity, that may not work. You know, the uh, returns that equity expects today aren't necessarily going to work in that scenario for too many projects. So you do need kind of that mez piece of some kind. Yeah, I think you need to, you need to layer in something lower cost of capital than common equity. Uh, but it's going to be higher cost than than traditional first mortgage debt. Now, at HVS, of course, you guys are a huge company, and in your division in capital, you also do brokerage of deals. You're looking at placing different types of debt and equity. Uh, what's people's appetite today? As you talk to investors, what's their appetite for anything outside of the mainstream? Um, from the standpoint of location or from the standpoint of structure? Well, I would think both those things, right? Location, certainly, uh, everyone's looking at the U.S. market as being what it is. And if I want to get more yield, I may have to look beyond that. But speaking to the part of creativity, I think structure as well. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely an appetite um, here in the Caribbean for uh, additional deals from a capital perspective because uh, it's very competitive in the U.S. And this is a good alternative to placing money in other parts of the world. Uh, for U.S. companies. So I think there's definitely an opportunity to capture different debt sources and equity sources. That said, the returns are going to need to be higher uh, simply because the risk factors are higher, perceived and actual. The opportunity here is really for lenders and for equity sources is really to capture higher yield. Uh, commensurate with higher risk, but higher yield nonetheless, because what they're finding is that the existing markets are extremely competitive and they're getting compressed in terms of their ability to get returns on their money, and so they're seeking other ways. That's why you have so many parties that have joined the mezzanine uh, and preferred equity areas up, up uh, over in the U.S., and those types of returns are what they can get down here and then some. Well, and if you look at the direction of hospitality kind of worldwide, that's got to be a place people are interested in. Today, we see money chasing, you know, all kinds of real estate deals. And then certainly in things like multifamily and in some office, those cap rates have been chased down a lot. So you would tend to think you'd see people opening up their horizon a little bit. But then we also heard today that there's been a real reluctance of people to jump in. Are we starting to see that free up? And based on the projections that we saw this morning, it looks like we've got a few good years of, of increased rev par and, and occupancy and, and ADR uh, ahead of us. I think as the metrics continue to improve, uh, the interest will continue to improve. If you look at where the growth is coming from, it's primarily average rate growth at this point in time, which has a very high flow-through rate to net operating income. Uh, so I, I think that bodes well for an additional interest on the financing side, both equity and debt, simply because you finance uh, these projects off of income. Bill, today there was discussion of the different product types of the all-inclusive product, of charter companies. How do those things play into what financing is available or what interest there is from, from the money side? I think that we've gotten to the point now in this part of the world where the all-inclusives are a lot more acceptable product. Um, if you think about that from a financial perspective, there is a higher perceived risk to an all-inclusive because it's more business than it is real estate. And hotels in themselves... I consider hotels to be a significant business component and a less significant real estate component yep. as opposed to something like an office or industrial building, which is a significant real estate component and not so significant a business component. Gotcha. So I think when you look at the all-inclusive model, it hasn't been overly un well understood. On the capital side, it's getting to be better understood, and as it gets to be better understood, there'll be more opportunities for people to invest. Um, you also have the addition of uh, the attractiveness by bigger European brands that bring their own capital to the market as well. 
So I think that all bodes well from a product perspective um, as to what's going to continue to happen in terms of growth here in the uh, in the Caribbean. You had some good points today about deal size, the kind of sweet spot of where things are are being funded or at least looked at. Can you speak to that? I think it's in, it's interesting because the Caribbean has, for many years, has been thought of as mega deals that are two hundred, three hundred million dollar projects. There's been a lot of opportunity in smaller deal size, uh, call it ten to twenty five million dollar you know, size project. And I think that's a, that's a very difficult area to attract capital. Um, however, minimum deal size of, say, 30, 35 million to call it 100 million, there's a lot more interest. And I think we heard that from some of the other panelists today who are used to doing larger deals and would like to deploy greater amounts of capital. But they're also considering the risk factor. And they're considering spreading their, their risk across different markets. So I think it's kind of an interesting change in that you're starting to see 30, 35 million and up attracting a lot more attention than they would have. They're big enough that, that you can make enough money from the deal to make it worthwhile, and yet they're not too big to uh, concentrate too much risk in a particular market. There was also some discussion today about maybe lowering risk by coming together to do deals, which has been done regularly in other sectors. I wasn't familiar with that in, uh, in hospitality as much. Do you have any experience there? I haven't seen a lot of that here. Um, it's interesting. There is a particular deal that I'm aware of that um, was recently done that, that is a participation type of situation. It happens to be a condo hotel project, and I find that really interesting from a lender's perspective. Some lenders will be able to do that. Certainly someone like an alternative source of capital, like we talked about this morning, uh, traditional banks are not going to be all that happy about that net structure necessarily, but it's possible. I've seen some interest on, on participations. It'll be interesting to see how that develops in the market. Some of the other factors that I think will come into play is really what governmental support can be can be had on some of these projects. Because if you look at where projects have gotten done, recently there's been significant government incentives, and I, I think that will be important moving forward. Well, and that's kind of another theme here, right? There's so much that an island or a country has to gain from hospitality, and some of the ideas that came up today on your panel about ways the government can participate without necessarily writing a check, I thought were pretty interesting. Right. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to have somebody stroking out a check to begin with. It could just be, uh, you know, splitting of fees or taxes or what have you to. And it's done all the time in the U.S. There's no reason why it can't be done here. Now, we just had a breakout about mixed-use properties and the idea of alongside a hotel having a branded residential or a residential product, even an interval type of ownership. Is that looked differently upon from the finance piece? Yes, absolutely. When you're looking at those type of projects, you have to look at what part of the income comes from the hotel side of the transaction and what part comes from the real estate part of the transaction. And I think you'll find that the greater the amount that comes from the real estate part of the transaction uh, increases the risk perception on the part of the capital. So these projects are definitely coming back. There's a reason for them to come back. Uh, there's a reason for them to exist in the Caribbean to begin with. Uh, they don't work so well in some other markets, as uh, some people have found out. But I think the other thing that's kind of interesting is you're finding uh, there's been a rework of the condo hotel, the, the laws that uh, apply to condo hotels in the U.S., uh, in terms of pooling income and so forth. And I think it's going to bode very well for that structure to make a comeback, which is 
to me, I find very interesting. That's fascinating, especially, you know, our audience, a lot of real estate investors. A condo hotel is a way for an individual investor to participate in the revenue stream of a hotel product. But even the, the terminology has kind of a negative connotation. Uh, and yet the, the theory behind it makes a ton of sense. Rather than have to come up with all the money to build a project, if I can find stakeholders, investors who want to own a unit, have some personal use or multiple units and invest, it seems like that would fit right into this creative ways to come up with capital. Well, it absolutely does. I think you bring up a great point, and that is that there's going to have to be some work done to overcome sort of the negative associated with the, the term condo hotel. Right. But if you think in terms of democratization of capital formation and what's going on today with crowdfunding and all that type of stuff, that fits really well into that uh, whole concept, and it's it's important to people. You find we're getting very involved on, on the crowdfunding side with it, as it relates to hotels, and I think it's a very similar mindset, if you will, for folks to be able to invest small amounts of money in a project, say that they own something you know that's sexy or what have you. Um, there's a certain amount of ego at play in the hotel business. Yeah. Always has been, always will be. Yeah. So I think that the condo hotel structure, I think we're, I think we'll see a comeback. All right, good stuff. Well, Bill, thanks so much for your uh, information today and uh, great talk. Great. Thank you much. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. We're in the Dominican Republic talking about the hotel industry and opportunities. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Elms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. Are you still sitting on the sidelines trying to figure out when and where you're going to buy those investment properties? Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Atlanta, Georgia is still on sale, but you better act fast because the deals are almost gone. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners, and I want you to know that there may not be a better investing opportunity than Atlanta right now. Listed as one of the fastest growing markets in the country, both in terms of jobs and population, Forbes predicts 26% appreciation over the next three years. At Georgia Residential Partners, we sell turnkey cash-flowing investment properties. We also sell wholesale properties at insane discounts. We're launching a new home construction product this summer as well. And if you're still nervous about stepping out into another market, I will personally partner with you on a small portfolio of homes, if that's what it takes. Don't wait any longer. Check us out at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. We look forward to hearing from you. 
Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best. They're working for years, and they know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program in the Dominican Republic today. We're at Chico's, the Caribbean Hotel Investment Conference and Operations Summit. Lots to learn from lots of folks, some great interviews, and some more on the way. Before we get to those, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question, which, of course, has something to do with Caribbean hotels. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send us your best to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and your mailing address because if you're the winner, we're going to give you a copy of My Next Step, the great book from Remax co-founder Dave Leniger. That can be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we were comparing stocks to real estate. We asked this, masking tape and scotch tape were both invented in which U.S. state? The answer, the state of Minnesota. Of course, at the 3M Corporation, formerly known as Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Where is the largest hotel in the Caribbean? Where's the largest hotel in the Caribbean? In what Caribbean country and what piece of Caribbean real estate is located the largest hotel in the Caribbean? If you think you know and want to take a guess, send us your best answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. You'll need to include your name and the answer to the question plus your physical mailing address so we can send you a copy of My Next Step, the great book by Remax co-founder Dave Leniger, if you're our winner. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're in the Dominican Republic, an amazingly beautiful country with lots and lots of different drivers. As a real estate market, we're going to learn a ton. Please welcome to the Real Estate uh, Guys program, the Secretary of State and Executive Director of the Center for Export and Investment in the Dominican Republic, Dr. Jean Rodriguez. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Thank you, Rover. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure spending time here in your beautiful country. Thank you very much. Are you enjoying yourself? Like Absolutely. the country already? Oh, my goodness. It's wonderful. Everything's been great. That's my third trip here, but my first trip to this part of the country. And maybe if we can start with, I think, a lot of the folks who are certainly looking at the tourism market say, wow, there's a lot going on there. But there's a lot more to your economy than just tourism. That is correct. Our economy is quietly diversified. Tourism certainly is a very important part of our economy. It constitutes close to 12% of our GDP. It helps us keep on growing. We really value tourism, and that's why we welcome not only foreign investors in the tourism sector, but each and one of the tourists of the almost 5 million tourists that visit us every year. And you have several international airports. Definitely. We have eight international airports, one local also. We have 12 seaports, four of them are cruise seaports, and an infrastructure of more than 5,000 kilometers of pavimented roads. That will be probably the second uh, most developed infrastructure in Latin America per capita. Wow. Now let's talk about some of the other drivers here, industries in the country. Well, we are very diversified, as I mentioned previously. Service is something in which we are very strong exports to. We're talking about $10 billion of exports yearly from 3,700 lines of products that we are exporting to almost 50 countries worldwide. Wow. And our economy also from the financial sector is very strong, minery is very strong and we have a very good health system an education system one of the strongest and with a more budget per capita or per pip that there is in the region and the country is moving forward 
pretty fast. We're talking about a growth of close to 5% per year in the last 10 years as an average. And this year, September this year, we were close to 7% of growth. So it's one of the best of the region. Everything is moving forward, same way for an investment. And while we see that in Latin America, there's a decrease of almost 23% lowering down the rate of foreign investment. In Dominican Republic, we are up 20%, talking about a little bit more than 1,200 million in the first semester. Awesome. Well, you guys obviously are doing a great job of getting the word out. Who, who do you find coming, looking for investment opportunity in the area? Worldwide, everybody right now is interested. There's presence of most of the countries. But if we can say which are the players that have placed more money and have more trust, is United States, uh, Europe, and Canada also. But now we're seeing some changes because Russians, Chinese are also investing in Dominican Republic. And also we are seeing very important investors from Latin America, Venezuela, Colombia, and Brazil. So, Dr. Rodriguez, talk about what you guys do to outreach. How do you go and find people who will be interested in investing in businesses and property and the various uh, mechanisms here? The Dominican Republic has a very strong strategy to promote business and investment in, the, in, in our country. Our president, Mr. Danilo Medina, has very specific plans on how to do that. And we are exactly doing that. We are attracting investment. What do we do? Well, first of all, we participate in all the forums that we consider that are very important, such as this one, Chicos, which is a forum of the Caribbean tourism investments. Also, we participate worldwide. We're talking about probably 20, 25 forums per year. But also, we contact directly most of those Fortune 500 companies. And in each country in which we have an embassy, we have a strategy with our ambassadors to visit also and contact all those very important companies and invite them to come to our country. But not only you invite, not only you promote, there's not also the publicity work, marketing work, but also you need the best promotion that you can do is have a very good climate. Because people talk, and the best, as you, same way you go to a restaurant in which mouth-by-mouth uh, mouth people tell, people talk about the good experience they had, that is our most valuable uh, asset. Our investors, our tourists, our, our people. Because when you come here, you feel that, that not only the, the warmness of the Dominican, but that you are in a very safe place in which you can place your money, in which your money will be safe and you will keep on growing and having revenues, revenues that you can take home without any problem whatsoever. Obviously, one of the big resources here is the people who live here and work here. And as you're attracting businesses, certainly the labor pool has something to do with their decision. How does that look here? How's employment and uh, people's eagerness to work and wanting to be trained and all that? The Dominican uh, people, the Dominican citizens, they're very good people that have the best intention to do the things in a perfect way, the best way they can. We say it here within us that nobody can do it as a Dominican when a Dominican wants to do it good. We're talking about a labor force of close to 5 million people, 5 million people that are willing to do whatever it takes to do the best they can. And our strategy continuing to, to that part with the people is not only to promote the country, also 
we are trying to change a little bit that instead of also going to another countries, we are now bringing the investors here. An example of that was the investment forum that we did on September this year, in which we received close to 400 potential investors in our country. We're talking about new potential investors. And the results of that forum were that we are now facing projects for $450 million in probably two years average. And that is something that in which we're changing the strategy and doing something different. Excellent. Well, obviously, hospitality is big, and a lot of people first find out about your country because they maybe come here and stay. And there's different stratas, different levels of places to stay, different markets that people are staying. One of the areas we've learned about, of course, at this conference is that there's a lot of all-inclusive resorts, but in the town center areas, so it's a wide variety of uh, in industry. How important is the travel industry to the country? It's very important. We are receiving more than $5 billion in revenues that are coming from touring sector, almost 5 million uh, tourists uh, per year. And we have already 68,000 world-class rooms with 32 golf courses. That is quite important. But nevertheless, the most important thing is not what we have, it's what we will have. Because there's all, there's already 30 projects being of new hotels or hotels that are being refurbished. So this sector is growing. And the same way that it's growing the amount of rooms, the visitants that are coming to Dominican Republic are also growing. We're talking about last month a growth of 14%. That is something that in the region you won't see it. It's something very good for which we're really proud. Yeah, that's incredible. So obviously there's great opportunity across many sectors. Let's talk a little about agriculture. You have uh, agricultural businesses here as well. What kind of products do we uh, see coming out of the, the Dominican Republic? There's so many products. Our president has a very clear view of the good quality of the land that has the Dominican Republic combined with the 365 days of sun. Right. So you can practically cultivate whatever you wish to. And that's what we are doing. The government, the president is investing in special projects in agribusiness. And from that, we can tell you about any fruits we are producing here. We are producing all kinds of fruits from pineapples to oranges to tom also tomatoes. It's about vegetables, what we call Chinese vegetables. Vegetables are being grown and the list goes very, very long. We are right now number one banana, or organic banana producer worldwide. Same way with cocoa. And the list goes very, very long. Our agribusiness, our exports in agribusiness are growing at a very high rate, probably 15% last year. And we're looking for something close to 20% in this year in agribusiness exports. Excellent. So growth in multiple industries that strong. What are some of the challenges you face as you continue to grow? Well, the, one of the challenges that we face, but we have already the solution in no more than two years, is, for example, energy costs. There are energy costs, let's say, is an average in the region, but we don't want average. We want to lower that down to be more competitive than most of our neighbors. Yep. And we are investing almost $2 billion on a new coal plant that will be in less than two years working, and that will drop the prices of energy. That way we won't only be competitive in agribusiness and 
others, but will be competitive in everything, especially in in heavy industries. Now, if someone is looking to go to school, there's lots of universities here. Do you see that people end up staying, or is like some of the other Caribbean countries part of the the local culture as they think there's opportunity leaving the country? No, it's all the contrary. We have more than 50 universities in the Dominican Republic, and not only the first university of the Americas was here, still here is a very good university, but we have world-class universities with the most advanced technologies, and we're seeing all the contrary, not Dominicans going abroad, certainly a few amount we have, but we have more foreigners coming from other developed countries to the Dominican Republic to study, to learn, and to do so many things in this university that they can go back to their country and make profit out of it. You know, a lot of industry got sideswiped with the global economic crisis of the past years. Uh, you guys have held on pretty strongly. Paint us the, the picture of, of where you're headed. What, what does the future hold for Dominican Republic? Well, Dominican Republic, with the change of the cost of energy, is heading definitely from an agribusiness industry, a medium, medium-heavy industry, to a very heavy industry. What we are looking for is the construction of automobiles, plastic, fusion, lots of energy will be done in the Dominican Republic in quite a few years. Excellent. Only a few years. Yeah, and uh, of course, the more technology that comes in and the more variety there is of labor force, uh, you're already an exporter of many things, uh, but also a lot of the goods and services that are consumed right here in your country. Yes, and there's always more opportunity we have a very strategic geographical position. And yes, we are taking profit of that. There's a very big potential steer that we are going to take profit in the next few years. And you will have the, the Canal of Panama widening probably ready in, probably not definitely ready in 2016, early 2016. And that will generate new routes for, for boats. All those very big boats, both Panamax and Super Panamax that are not crossing the canal right now, will cross and they will need a point in which they can do some transport. And the Dominican Republic has the infrastructure to do that, has the market to do that, and has also the free trade agreements that will allow all the companies here, all the foreign companies to take profit and do transshipment, to load and also to exports. And that is the only country that has all the conditions. Because there are other countries that have very good ports, for example, but they don't have the market. They don't have the free trade agreements. They don't have the amount of exports that we're doing. They don't have the infrastructure. So only the Dominican Republic can be the number one competitor to being the hub of the Caribbean, which is part of our trade brand that we're promoting. Obviously, uh, most of our listeners are interested in real estate investing. What's the real estate market like here? And where do you see opportunity for foreign investment? The real estate market in the Dominican Republic has been stable for all its time. We, our prices are going up and up slowly, which is good. That's good. Because that's sustainable. We don't want to go fast and have a bubble. Yep. What we have is be sustainable, growing, 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 five, six, eight percent per year. So whatever you invest in real estate in the Dominican Republic, normally is a very good deal. Nobody that invests in real estate regrets ever because your property also is more valuable. And if you tell me where 
an investor can have the opportunity to invest, there's so many opportunities. But definitely there's some strategic uh, investment that you should do taking into hand what the government is promoting. And our government is promoting tourism as one of the key sectors that should be promoted. So since we are investing so much and working so hard to bring tourism, what we need is the rooms. So if the government is working to bring you the, the, the market, you have it already, but it's working to promote that market and to have that market growth, all you need to do is put the rooms and the market is there. The rooms will be full. So that is a very good investment. Same way it goes in agribusiness, same way it goes in services as such as call centers. We are giving all the facility, all that foreign investment needs in order to grow. The, the One of the most important things is that not only we are providing the market, the facility, the stability, is that also we provide the necessary permits according to law, which is very important. Why? Because the investors, they want to move things quick and we're here to provide results. We're not here to lose not even one minute because we truly believe that we are partners with investors, local or foreigners. And the mission of the government is create jobs. But who really creates those jobs is mainly the private investor. So we should work together, do some synergy, and do whatever it takes to start the business as soon as possible. That is such a great attitude and obviously necessary for continued growth. And obviously with a legal background, you have to be aware of uh, the legal environment that you're in. How does that angle work? Is it easy to start businesses here? What kinds of, you mentioned permits, what are the things do people have to consider if they want to do business in the Dominican Republic? Well, all they need to do is have the will to invest because the government takes care of the rest. We have a one-stop shop. For example, for permits for investments, which you don't need to go same way it happens in other countries that you need to go to 10, 12 uh, offices for you to get those permit, environmental permit, construction permit, tourism permit, and the list goes on and on and on. You just need to go to our ministry. And then at our office, you present all the documents that you need. There's a web page in which you can visit that is divided by sectors. If you want one sector, just all the documents required, all the things that you need to deposit. You come to us, deposit all the documents, and we'll take care of that. We'll go to all those 12, 15, it doesn't matter how many places that is necessary, and we'll get you the permits according to the law. All right, good stuff. This has been fascinating. Very excited to hear about what's happening here, and we sure appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Robert. And I take this uh, opportunity to invite all the potential investors and also our tourists to come to the Dominican Republic and see for themselves all the beauty that the country has to offer and how this country and our government embrace them. All right. Thank you, sir. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program this week live in the Dominican Republic. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real 
real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Simon Black from SovereignMan.com, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one download podcast on real estate investing this week, focusing on hospitality here at Chico's. And uh, to wrap up the show, uh, let's meet the managing director of HVS in the Caribbean and the chair of the conference, Mr. Paris Jordan. How are you? I'm pretty good, Robert. Thanks for your time, and thanks for having me on your show. Well, absolutely, and thanks for this incredible event. It's been great. A lot of big takeaways. You started the conference kind of talking about the big picture of what's happening in the Caribbean. Can you share with us some of that? Sure. So when you look at the overall region on the hotel investment side, after the downturn of 2007-2008, it took a little while for the Caribbean to recover, but we're seeing the Caribbean recover very, very strongly. In fact, year-to-date through September 2014, compared to the same time last year, hotel performance in terms of average rate is up 8%, and revenue per available room, which is another indicator used by hotel operators and hotel owners, is up almost 10%. The market is doing extremely well. Occupancy levels are high. Demand is back. Uh, demand has grown in the last three years. Occupancy has increased in the last three years. Average rate is trending well again, four years of rate growth, and also in our fifth year. So both RevPAR and ADR have grown tremendously. What that has done, it, it has helped owners of existing hotels to be a lot more profitable and a lot more money is flowing to the bottom line. So overall, it's a good time to be a hotel owner in the Caribbean and assets are cash flowing. You know, operators were able to decrease expenses during the downturn. They learned, so they trimmed the fat. And as the market recovers, everyone's being, or most properties, a lot more profitable. Now, and of course, you have a perspective of this for a couple of reasons. One, this is the fourth year of the conference. So you've certainly seen, you know, kind of this touch point every year and seen those numbers increase. But also, of course, HVS, you know, big, big company in hospitality and uh, in consulting that you guys do, hotel valuations. Uh, give us the overview of HVS for the folks that may not understand what uh, what you guys do. Oh, sure. So I'll, I'll answer the question in two parts. So I'll talk about what HVS does specifically, and then I'll segue into the conference. So Adris is, is the leading hospitality consultant firm. We have over 30 offices globally. I run the Caribbean division. I work out of New York. Uh, I lived in the Caribbean for many, many years. I'm originally from the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago. But I've lived in New York for over 20 years, and I've been with HVS for 12 years. We specialize in all types of hospitality, and my focus specifically is on consulting and valuation. And what does that mean? Consulting, we do market studies for hotels all over the world. And again, my market is the Caribbean and also the U.S. and Central America. So if a developer wants to build a hotel, we're typically the first group that they would come to to help them decide what type of product to build, what number of rooms, what brand. More importantly, the banks come to us to verify the valuation of that deal. Does it make sense? Is it feasible? And what is the value of the overall asset upon completion? And how can we help them increase the value? So our clients tend to be 
the big time developers. So I know a lot of people think that the hotel companies are actually the developers. The hotel companies don't tend to own a lot of hotels. They right. own very, very few assets. It's normally owned by a real estate developer. And the brands such as Marriott or Hilton, they tend to be the manager or they franchise it. And another group, a third party management company can come in and manage. So again, our clients tend to be the developers of real estate, the hotel companies sometimes, especially in the Caribbean, even though they're big players, they're over 32 islands, so they may not be familiar with every location. So we come in and we help them understand the local dynamics so that they make sensible decisions. And we do it, for, as I said, for the lenders, even for governments. I've advised many governments in the region as to which hotel products make the most sense. We've advised them as to what concessions they should give or they shouldn't give. So, you know, we've appraised, for example, Atlantis. We did the feasibility study for the $3.5 billion Bahama project. And we also do small hotels. So we're capable of um, doing feasibility studies and valuations for any type of hospitality asset. Well, and there was sure a wide variety of attendees here, right? Thanks to uh, your great connections and, and uh, clients and, and uh, relationships in the industry, we had certainly the hotel brands. There were investors and owners of properties, developers, folks looking at doing projects. But you also had good representation from the various governments. And part of the conversation has been, you know, how does the government work with private industry to continue to capitalize on the positive growth we've seen in tourism? Exactly. So based on our relationships and the fact that we do work for all the different groups that I mentioned prior, uh, we have a strong network and through our expertise in that network, we created the Chico's Conference. So we bring them all together and it's really a think tank. We put together great panels so people can learn and understand the markets much better uh, and they could help network with each other to build more contacts. And as you pointed out with the governments, you know, we're here to help the governments understand the business of hospitality and the business of tourism because the investor that's coming into this market can go any part of the world and he needs to get a return on his his investment. Not everyone falls in love with the clear blue waters. Uh, it's good to do that, but you need to understand what is the return on your investment. And a lot of these investors are very savvy players, international players. So the governments need to facilitate and help the process. And that's where we help them. And a lot of the government officials are savvy and understand the business. And those that aren't, we're here to help. And, and the conference helps them learn a lot more and, and make a lot more contacts as well. Now, the other kind of big conversation here was about financing. Uh, numbers look great. Performance is good. And yet the traditional uh, finance options aren't really back in the market yet. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier with Bill Sipple about that. But what, what were your takeaways in, in regard to the finance? It, it seemed that there was, you know, some glimmers of hope. Yeah, there's some, and you know, Bill, Bill is the expert. He represents our investment banking division at HVS. Uh, and we had him on one of our panels earlier. And, and we had quite a few panels on financing because when you look at the Achilles heel, we look at the region, everything is going wonderful in terms of the numbers, but the money isn't there. And, and we need the money for a few reasons, to renovate existing assets, because there are other destinations in the world that are taking tourism a lot more serious. And the Caribbean will be impacted if other countries add new hotels and renovate their hotels, and we in the region are unable to do the same. So it's absolutely critical that we find the money 
to improve our stock and find money to build new products to compete with other destinations. And it has been very, very challenging. And you know, it's a, it's a global phenomenon. Um, the U.S. had this issue a short while ago, but now we're seeing money come back into the U.S. And the, the, the Caribbean lags the U.S. So it may take a year, it may take a year and a half for us to actually see the money flow. But there were some positive signs. There are a lot of alternative lenders here. We're not finding the straight debt sort of lender that was always in the marketplace. They've taken a, a backseat, but they're slowly dipping their toes back in the water. But we have some savvy investors that came to this conference that are doing deals. So deals are happening. We just want to see a lot more activity on the financing front, especially for the debt lender. Ground up construction is extremely difficult to get done because the financing for that is, is even more difficult than for existing assets where you can refinance. But if you do have a strong project in a great location with tremendous airlift, the right business plan, the deal can get done. And the sponsor really has to have experience and know what he's doing. So Paris, coming through this last few years of the downturn and now seeing that numbers are up and, and repars up and ADR is up, what does the future hold? Where do you see the Caribbean uh, in the next few years? So I still believe very, very strongly that we have a couple, two to three years of strong growth in terms of RevPAR and average rate. So what I had mentioned prior is even though RevPAR has been up for almost five years, in the initial years, as in most uh, recoveries, the growth is really an occupancy. So the rev bar increase, revenue per available room, is based on occupancy increases and average rate increases. So when you get out of a downturn, when rev bar increases, it's really true occupancy. So demand comes back first. When that growth in rev bar is actually being driven more by average rate growth, that's when you see the recovery kick in even stronger. And that's what we're seeing in the Caribbean now for the last two years. The growth in RevPAR is really being driven by average rate, which allows operators to be a lot more profitable, and the money drops to the bottom line. So it's, it's really, really a great market now, and I believe that's going to happen for a couple more years. And it could go longer. No one has a crystal ball to know when the next recession is going to take place, but the fundamentals are strong, the market is doing well, and I expect this growth to continue. Uh, for a little while. You know, on the flip side, we talk about new, new supply and the money isn't there. Well, that helps the existing operators because if there's no new competition coming in or little competition coming in, the existing hotels can continue to do even stronger and better because when you bring a lot of new supply in, it could really impact the market as well. All right. Well, we'll look uh, forward to finding out as that happens. And uh, we sure appreciate taking time not only uh, today to visit with us, but uh, incredible job on the conference. Thanks uh, for your hospitality. And we'll uh, look forward to watching the region grow. Thanks a lot, Robert. Thanks for your time. And um, we thank you very, very much, uh, all the folks at HBS and Chico's. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That is our show from the Dominican Republic. Big thanks to Paris and to Leora and to the amazing staff here at HBS and the conference. It's been an incredible event. And we've learned so much today. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. Happy holidays. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. 
Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.